Hey, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to No Reservation. Rebecca Godfrey. My pronouns are she, her. I am a senior vice president of tourism consulting at CBRE Canada. I have worked in the tourism and hospitality industry for most of my life. Uh, let's just say somewhere around 30 years um, or more. And I'm really excited to be here today and have a great conversation with you, Joe. Thank you, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. I so appreciate the time that you've committed to having this conversation. It's really great to be here. And for our listeners, we are recording at the headquarters of CBRE Canada on a gloomy Friday afternoon. And there aren't uh, too many people walking around the streets like they used to be on a Friday in Toronto, but uh, it's, uh, it's a great place to be. And thank you again for hosting. Thanks for having me. So where does your story begin? Who are you? What's your background? How on earth did you find yourself where you are now? Very good question. It's been a long and storied journey, um, but it's kind of fun to, to go back through it. So uh, I was born in technically in Hamilton, in a hospital in Hamilton, although my parents were living in Burlington. Um, I was an only child for most of my life until my parents split up. My father uh, started a new family, so it's nice. I have two half-sisters. That's great. Um, but most of my life I've been here in Toronto. I am a city girl. I spent four years as a child in Vancouver. Um, lived a couple other places while going to university. Um, but yeah, mostly a Toronto girl. So even in your early years, I can already hear that there's some travel, there's some change. Yes there's some sort of disruption along the way that, you know, maybe directed you into your career path. Yeah. So tell me about your career. Tell me about your education. How did you get started and how did it kind of direct you to where you are today? Well, uh, while I was going to school um, at St. Clement's here in Toronto, um, I got my first job at a little, little deli um, on Eglinton and I was making sandwiches and I learned a lot about just customer service, about um, what to look for in an employer and what to put up with, what not to. Uh, but mostly I learned a uh, love of cooking, which I already had. My, my mom is a, an excellent cook. Um, and so that hospitality piece became important to me. Um, but travel, first and foremost, I mean, yes, I, I, that shift moving to Vancouver and, and back was, was tough as, as a kid, learning, you know, a whole new group of friends, all yeah. that. Um, but in the meantime, I got some uh, amazing trips in. I um, spent some time in, in Europe, in, um, uh, in Hawaii, living from Vancouver. In yeah, Vancouver, yeah. It's, it's easier to get it's there. so close. But yeah. um, travel was something I wanted to keep in my life for sure. Yeah. So, you know, that, that first job that got me 
um, sort of a step in the door. Um, but my my first degree was in archaeology. Wow. So hospitality took a little bit of a side seat yeah, there. Yeah. Um, but travel was was really what I wanted to do, uh, and learning about cultures. Yeah. So for me, it was, uh, I want to explore the world, and I want to learn about those cultures. So uh, I started at U of T. I ended up switching over to Trent University, so huh. I moved to Peterborough um, because of my interest in South American archaeology. Wow. And so I really specialized. I did a couple digs. I did one paid dig mm. <laughs> down in... Um, in Peru, um, and and I loved I loved that industry, but um, it's a tough one to to form a career around. Um, I had to kind of make a decision: did I want to go back to school? Did I want to stay in school? And I decided, you know, I kind of wanted to explore my own city as well. So um, I ended up um, taking a job. Um, a part-time job in the summer at um, Four Seasons Hotels. Oh, wow. And uh, that was in, it was actually my stepmother who, who helped make that happen, which was great. Thanks, so cool. Barbara. <laughs> and um, I worked in finance. And then uh, I ended up getting a full-time job um, in, in finance and accounting. Um, so, yes, archaeology to finance. But while at um, Four Seasons, I learned about a lot about the hotel industry, right. and where I really found an interest was on their development side and how they choose where to put the next hotel um, and what they need to learn about the environment. And you know, particularly in in Istanbul, for instance, yeah. um, that Four Seasons hotel is is a converted prison. Yeah. And so they have a little bit of a museum in the middle of the hotel. Um, so I ended up, um, you know, staying where I was. I, I went back to school. Um, I tried to do a, a degree in, in, in museum studies at U of T, but because I'd been out of archaeology for so long, they, yeah. it was a very small program. Yeah. I didn't make it in, but... Uh, I took the time um, to to get back to my roots in cooking. Huh. So I ended up going to chef school for a bit. Wow, great. Where'd um, you go? I went to George Brown. Oh. I did the uh, chef apprentice program, so I was working. Um, but that's a whole... I mean, we were talking about no reservation, yeah, no yeah, reservations, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Bourdain style. Yeah. It is a lifestyle that you, you have to... Um, you're working when everybody else is playing. Yeah. Every holiday. Yeah. Uh, it was tough. It yeah. was uh, a good experience. I learned a lot of good skills. My knife skills are pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I didn't want to stay. So I ended up going back to Four Seasons for a while. And then uh, I felt ready to um, pursue something that would get me in that space where I could put all the pieces together. I went and did an MBA at University of Guelph. Um, they had a program for hospitality and tourism management, uh, a master's degree. Good for you. Um, and uh, I, I just, that's where I developed that love of complex problem solving 
and how to connect that to the tourism industry. Wow, fabulous. I can see how all of that journey really shaped sort of who you've become in the 2023 world of your career <laughs> and your life. And that's really great. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you. I find it really interesting. Um, I spent a lot of time in my youth traveling as well. I was born in Vancouver and then ended up in Toronto and then UK and Europe and back to Toronto and those kinds of things. And I find that people who travel extensively, either because of their choice or because of life circumstances, not only do they have a bit of a broader worldview in terms of understanding different people and different cultures, but I find that people who travel a lot learn a lot about themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you put yourself out there into a new community, especially something that's really out of your comfort zone like Peru and you're engaged in this, you know, in like a dig, like you said, in, in a completely unique community compared to the one that you live in, you know, you sort of, you challenge some of those of your own assumptions and some of your own comforts. And you, I think it eventually, at least for me, it turns into that resilience, that ability to sort of handle whatever is happening around you because you learn those skills as you go out travel does that resonate with you it, at all it does yeah that adaptability right. um uh also fostering love of languages i right. think it it's something i don't i don't understand people that don't want to learn the language of the people that they're going to visit yeah it just seems to me it gives you that extra level of um insight yeah. and um yes yeah, so i think you know, I'm, I, I learned about myself that um, I, I need to con consistently be challenged. Mm, interesting. Um, and I need um, change and, and right. transition. Uh, I don't like just being stagnant. Yeah. I find it really difficult. And honestly... I find it difficult to sit still. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, much as I sit at a desk a lot of the day, um, as long as my brain is moving, yeah. it's okay. But yeah, I, I want to learn. I always want to learn. And, and travel um, really helps to, um, to form some attachments right. um, that you can take elsewhere right. and, and put into your work. And isn't like that's learning. That's always yeah. what I feel like. The travel experience is beyond what you go and see and absorb. It's about how it affects you. You yes. said it, how it, how you become adaptable. But the travel experience changes you. Meeting new people, hearing new languages, eating new food, being mm -hmm. in new surroundings. So like I think it's constant stimulation. I share yeah. that challenge and that I. I don't like to sit still very long. I, you know, my goal in everything that I'm doing in my professional life now is to be as free and unattached as possible and travel and experience as much as I can and spend time with people like yourself to just see what else is going on in the world and, mm -hmm. and you know, the different perspectives that we have. And I, I find that, at least for me, you know, the last few years of it's the pandemic just, just, helped me reflect on how important that is in my life to get out 
to experience new things, to experience new communities, to push mm-hmm. myself kind of beyond that comfort zone because I find that that's where there's growth, right? Yes. And that's that, you know, the drive to continue to get out there and move around is a drive for myself to grow and experience more and become more of, you know, who I want to be as a, as a person. So, yeah. And so here we are yes. sitting in the CBRE office. Uh, love to hear your perspective on, first of all, what is CBRE as an organization? Like just, this is just your sharing, you know, for anybody who's listening that's saying, I don't know what, CBRE is all about. And then I'd love to start to hear your perspective on like, describe a day in the life of Rebecca as a senior vice president in the tourism portfolio. So first, a little bit about the company and second, what do you do on a day to day basis? (laughs) So CBRE is a commercial real estate company. The CBRE is Coldwell Banker Richard Ellis. So um, they are a global company. formed in the U.S. Um, and so CBRE Canada um, has a number of different service lines. So anything really to do with commercial real estate. So uh, the brokerage side, obviously, that most people would know. You see the big green signs around. (laughs) For lease. Yeah. For rent. Yeah. Call these people. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's worldwide. and facilities management, there's a global workplace solutions team. Hmm. Um, and uh, I am part of the valuation advisory services group. Um, and we have, I think, about 80 people in Canada. Um, and we're specialized within, we call it VAS. Um, so there's office, retail, land. Um, hotels, and I'm part of the hotels team. Interesting. Um, so it's hotels and tourism, and myself and my associate vice president Hildegard Snellgrove, we are the tourism consulting group for Canada. Just the two of Just you. Just the two Nothing of us. Nothing like yeah. having lots on your plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we do um, pretty much everything to do with consulting. So. Um, and, and it's an interesting question. I know we were talking about what is tourism consulting? Um, it's not something you can go to school for. Right. Um, it, it really is pretty organic and it's going to be different depending on what firm you're with, yeah. uh, or if you're independent. Um, so for me, um, I have a couple different specialties or what I've, um, decided to to focus on and make my niche. Um, I uh, I started working mostly on feasibility studies, market studies. Um, I do some work towards appraisals for uh, anything that's not a hotel. It's in the tourism sphere, so could be an attraction. Mm. I did the uh, feasibility work for the Edge Walk around the CN Tower. Okay. Would that make sense at the CN Tower? All the number crunching. I had to call places in Sydney and Macau to find out, you know, how many staff do you have? What attendance, what do you charge? How much investment was put into this? Those are the kinds of, that's my day-to-day is that um, researching and and talking to people and writing. Um, And then I developed a niche uh, in tourism strategy. Okay. So, you know, when I did my MBA at the University of Guelph, um, 
that was an area I, I really enjoyed was learning about strategy leadership and strategy, um, how to fit all these different perspectives together um, for a destination. So right now I'm uh, I'm working on a destination, a, um, a strategy tourism strategy master plan and action plan for Niagara and the Lake. Wow. Um, I'm doing a uh, tourism strategic master plan for destination Markham. And in all of these cases, uh, there's a lot of stakeholder engagement. Um, and then there's a lot of figuring out co-creating the solutions um, to put that strategy together. And, you know, tourism is about that visitor bringing new money into your destination. Um, but it's also about uh, memory making. It's about that learning experience. Um, and it's also about, as a resident, um, hopefully, how is this going to benefit me? And that's huh. what I try to put into my strategy work is um, making sure that that resident's opinion is considered. Right. And uh, because I've seen in other destinations where uh, a strategy has been implemented and it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, either the operators can't um, follow up on, on whatever the municipality thinks uh, they should be doing. Maybe it's something, uh, maybe it's the vision. Maybe it didn't consider uh, the, the actual businesses on the main street because it involves some sort of transportation disruption. Who knows, yeah. whatever it is, it's so important to get all those different perspectives. Yeah. So that talking to people and, and then figuring out what it all means is, is absolutely what I, I love to do. I feel like there's, there's a lot of moving parts there. Yeah. And then your role is really the convergence of it all. Yeah. Right? How do you bring it all How together? How do you bring it all together? Yeah. And that, that covers not only just that resident perspective, um, what the visitor wants, how they perceive that destination, um, but also municipal planning. Hmm. Um, you know, how do we ensure that the destination we want to become can become that destination? Right. What kind of investment is required? Um, how yeah. do we get the private sector involved? Wow. Yeah. Fabulous. So what, uh, what makes a good strategy? Again, for anybody who's listening, who's in the tourism world or even in the business world, there's, I find we talk a lot about strategy mm -hmm. and everybody whether you're a nonprofit, whether you're corporate whether you're sort of in the education space everybody's always working on strategy right sure what's our strategic plan long term what's our strategy on new business acquisition what's our strategy on talent right generally speaking from your perspective and all your experience what makes a good strategy well in a nutshell having that north star hmm. it's all about everything leveling up to one main idea that's going to launch you forward. So, um, you know, for Microsoft in the beginning, it was having a computer in every home. Right. So if that's the vision, then everything you do has to yeah. lead up to that. Um, 
And so I think where sometimes it gets convoluted is when uh, too much tactical yeah. action is brought into the strategy. Yeah. So, well, okay, but how do we do this? First, we need to figure out why we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that makes a good strategy. Yeah. For, for a destination, um, that vision should be forward thinking. Yeah. It's here's what we are in five years. Right. Um, and, and again, that has to have a bunch of different, it has to have support from yeah. all across the board. Yeah. Um, but then it's actually uh, going from, you know, some key pillar areas to, to the goals and, and actions to carry out those goals uh, and then a good implementation plan. Yeah. So, okay we've got these actions. We have to figure out how we're going to make sure we do each of these. Let's think about it chronologically. Let's put roles and responsibilities and yeah. um, level of importance against it and, and get it done. But yeah, you've got to put all the other pieces around it, right? Yes. It's not just a brilliant plan on a slide deck or in, no. a, in a nice book. And we've got this strategy. You have to resource it so that you can achieve what you're aiming to achieve. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have a strategy guru do you have somebody <laughs> that you read or listen to any you know like expert out there that you really are attached to well um i spend a little time uh working with um frank kuypers he is um uh, a guru in and a professor in, huh. in in Europe. Um, he's also a consultant, and he introduced me to the Blue Ocean Strategy. Um, so I encourage people to look that <laughs> up. But um, you know, one of the tenets is that you know what what is it that you do differently? Yeah. So right. it's not about okay, you know, I'm 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 a consultant, therefore. You know, I'm, I'm going to look at what everybody else is doing and I'm going to just do that better. Yeah. It's about what is it that I do that's different and, and making that really stand out. Yeah. Very cool. I, have you ever read Roger Martin? Have you ever done any of his? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, while he was uh, dean at Rotman, I was dean ah. of hospitality and tourism at Centennial College. And so I, I kept forcing myself in his ecosystem, whether that's just, reading his books, reading yeah. his articles, going to see him speak. Uh, and so he, his kind of, you know, playing to win how strategy really works framework really helps me. It's when I'm doing strategy for myself or for uh, my own clients or, or groups that I'm working with, it's always kind of the, you know, the backbone. And I, I find it, you know, like I said, that strategy and the way that you just framed it, strategy is something that we talk a lot about and, we're probably all engaged in strategy at one level or the other. Either we're shaping it and leading it, or the work that we're doing is contributing to it or not, if we're falling off our strategy. Uh, so I find also that it's really helpful to find some structural resources that you yes. can kind of fall back on. It's like, yeah. if you're constantly operating on instinct, then you're probably not compensating for your blind spots or you're probably not necessarily as, you know, up to date and relevant on any given kind of, you know, framework or approach. And I think yeah. it's kind of, I guess it goes back to some of the things you shared about your early career. And, and I feel the same. It's like that constant improvement 
for me myself, like I want to be learning. I'm yes. reading all the time. I'm listening to podcasts all the time. I'm watching, you know, videos and TED Talks all the time just because I want to show up the is the best version of myself in my professional career. So I I'll, I agree when you have those those gurus who yeah. could be a north star for you in some of the work that you do. It's really helpful. It's very just, helpful. You know, Richard Florida. Yeah, of course. One, oh my of course. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I agree. Yeah, you need to have um, some structure to what yeah. you're doing, but I think it's also thinking about your own experience and what is it that you can bring in um, that maybe you didn't think fit. Like, for instance, archaeology, right? Um, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and, and tourism consulting. Yeah, um, there is an attention to detail and a um, a cultural piece that comes in so understanding how clients are different um and being able to um to think of it from different angles so you know when i'm doing this work for um for um markham for instance it's thinking about from an attraction perspective what might work and and I, I go back to um, my feasibility work yeah, and, right. and, and what I've done in other destinations yeah. and understanding that private sector developer need. They need an ROI. So you can't just say, oh, we need a Canada's Wonderland. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have to think about, well, how is that actually going to work? Yeah. Do we have enough people that, that come? What else are they going to do when they're here? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and who's going to pay for it? Right. Yeah. All of those things. So being able to bring that into strategy as well, I think is is helpful. And that's maybe where um, I try to differentiate. Yeah. One of the priorities for me uh, in setting up this podcast is to have conversations with people whose lives and careers have not necessarily been sequential or linear. Mm. Because I have a, a belief in at the stage that I'm at in my life and in my career that the uniqueness of your journey actually can make you really well-rounded. And you, you sort of just reference it there. Your experience with archaeology actually plays a role in informing some of the work that you do now in tourism consulting. Absolutely. Um, you know, and you're, while you were studying you know, culinary apprenticeship at George Brown, I was the chair of the culinary apprenticeship hmm. department at George Brown. Would, if we bumped into each yeah. other in the hallway, would we have been able to map a path so that we're both sitting here today? No, of course not. And I think, you know, I, I share that because what I think is important to anybody who's listening, whether you're in a business or organizational role and capacity where you are responsible for attracting and retaining talent, or whether you are an individual out there at any stage of your career trying to find your next opportunity or, or build your next opportunity, you know, sometimes it looks, especially from job postings and interview processes, it looks like we're looking for these ideal people who have done everything right in their career and right. followed this kind of breadcrumb trail all the way through. I knew exactly what I was studying when I was a young person, and then I interned at X company, and then I became a junior manager, then a senior manager, then an executive. And now like, 
it, some people have that journey and that's yes. great for them and they should be celebrated and that's amazing. But I also think that's that diversity of experience is as important as any other element of diversity in the world that we're now living in, in the organizations that we're in, uh, in the culture that we're living in. Like your yeah. background, your experience is important and we as an industry get to benefit from it and and CBRE in this case as an organization gets to benefit from it but you know full well if they were ever posting for your job they wouldn't say looking for someone who started their education in archaeology <laughs> you know who then maybe want to be a cook apprentice yeah uh, but also you know worked in a deli and then eventually <laughs> in Four Seasons Hotels and like it's just it's it, you know that that's just my statement of saying Thank I think you. your background is really cool and I, and I think it 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 makes for a really interesting and diverse and rich tourism industry. It's not just the Yeah, thank you. I started in the hotel as a bell person, and then I went on the front yeah. desk and then I became assistant general manager, then I was general manager, then I was regional manager and those are great career paths too, uh, but I I like the meandering career paths and experience. So Me too. And and it was difficult. It was difficult when I um I started looking for work after I had my yeah. MBA because then I was looking in, I thought, well, maybe operations, but I definitely didn't fit there because people looked at what I had done and mm, nope. I did work in a lot of restaurants. I was a sous chef, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't have the hotel experience, for instance. And right. um, it, yeah, so I think it's really important for employers to think about that, to, to ask the question, I did have um, one interview with uh, with someone who who told me, "Wow, you know, just looking at your resume, it looks like you've tried or at least you know worked in everything everything you wanted to do." <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. thought, well, that's really nice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I see the connections and yeah. the story that goes yeah. with it, but um, unfortunately, that person didn't have a position for right. me. But yeah, yeah, um, it. Being open to it, yeah. um, I remember that, yeah. and I would go to that person for advice. Yeah. You know, so yeah, totally. I think it's really important. Me too. Let me ask you a, a, a technical question about the work that you've you're doing now. So I find the world of valuations fascinating, especially as it relates to tourism and hotel assets. I think we see it more in the hotel world, yes. or at least it's, maybe it's just more available. You know, there are, you know, there are, uh, you know, CoStar and groups like that who are constantly doing that research and putting it out and, and sharing it in the space. So I follow that because I find it uh, fascinating, but I also find that, that it's not necessarily understood to the degree that I think it should be by the people who work in the hospitality and tourism industry. Generally, if you aren't involved in hotel valuations or, or buying and selling hotels, you don't necessarily understand it. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Give us a crash course. in <laughs> if we're, we're looking out the window and you know, we can see the, the Royal York hotel. So if, if yes, beyond the scope of your responsibility, but if you were, asked to describe how you would determine the value of the Royal York Hotel. How does one go about that? 
Um, well, that is a pretty structured process. Yeah. Uh, part of it is doing a market study, so understanding the performance of hotels within the competitive set of the the Fairmont Royal York. And performance means what? So occupancy rate, those are the top line um, revenue no, numbers we look cents. for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how many people are coming? Supply yeah. in the market. Yeah. How is supply outpacing demand? We do outlooks. So um, so we we CBRE Hotels yeah. collects top line data from hotels across Canada. Um, I th and I think we're about 2,200 hotels across Canada. Wow. Um, so we have that information at our fingertips. Um, we also have a financial trends database. So we collect um, financial statements annually um, from hotels across about 600 properties across Canada. So that is really useful in, in the valuation side because um, we have benchmarks. So right. we can tell, we know um, what else is going on in the market. Um, and, and that gives us a basis then for reviewing the financial statement of, of the property. So if you're gonna value it, you look at, it's an operating business. Right. So unlike uh, office or industrial, um, buildings, a uh, hotel is, is a working, going concern. Right. And, uh, and so you would, you would look at, um, how that hotel has been performing versus other hotels, uh, in its comp set. Yeah. And then you would look at the investment parameters, uh, you know, what's going on in the economy right now. Yeah. Um, and that helps you set understanding what a, what other properties are selling for, you know, what might be the value of this property. Hmm. That's, that's, that's a very like high No, level. no, no. <laughs> and I know that it's complex and thank you for that, that no your worries. experience and your, in your vantage point helps uh, frame that nicely. I just, I don't, unless you are in the hotel investment world, right. whether you yourself are are looking to invest or whether you are a broker or whether it's, I just find that it's not something that's it, that's as readily understood as I think it yeah. should be. I, I like to believe that when you choose a career path that you should have the ability to learn about any different element of that industry that you would like to, because you might find that you're really interested in, in something. So, so I appreciate your sharing that. Um, and I think that, I also find what's interesting and fascinating about that is, you know, the value of a hotel in many ways, if you looked at that, at those, some of those aggregate metrics, the day-to-day -day operation of a hotel, which is brought to life by people, right? Right. right. The day-to-day -day operation of a hotel from a dollars and cents perspective, when rolled all the way up, can actually contribute to the value of the asset, right? Of course, yeah. Which, how it's being managed. How it's being, yeah, exactly. It. How it's, it's being managed, how that, you know, how that guest experience is going and whether that guest becomes a loyal, you know, member of your your loyalty club and stays with you and, and you kind of keep all that business together from end to end. And I think why it's relevant, and again, just from my perspective of, of my career being relatively kind of people focused, I find there's a bit of a, uh, there's a bit of a, a, a 
paradox in how much this industry should be valuing its people. Mm. Yes, because holistically speaking, we should all value people. That's a, that's a pretty good human trait. But that the people of the hotel industry are really essential, not only to the, you know, to the profit and loss statement of the balance sheet or, or the financial, you know, uh, achievements of any given property in, a, in any given year, but because they actually contribute to the overall value of the asset. Like, yeah. you know, if, if, I, if, if I was thinking about it from a, a, a personal real estate perspective and I thought, you know, I own a home and there are people who live in my home and, and the people who live in my home who, you know, keep the home clean and keep the yard tidy if that contributes to the value of the home yeah you know i'm going to do everything i can to make sure that they are getting Properly. what they want out of it because i'm like hey thank you so much for you know you you may be renting this yeah. room for me but right. the way you're maintaining this home also is contributing to the value of my property and i i think in some cases there are some really fabulous hotel organizations out there who are absolutely doing great things with their people. Uh, but I think also in some cases there are just those who just yeah. undervalue people chronically. Uh, and I don't understand it because in that business model, more so than others, the day-to-day -day execution of staff actually contributes to the valuation of the property. Yeah. But, so no, that's just my observation. It's a observation. very good observation. Yeah. And, and one thing I hadn't, brought in was that um, that capital investment in the property as well and how much is being put into it right. and that's directly related to the people that maintain Absolutely. the property you yeah. won't have to buy right. um, new linens or you know um, redo that quarter of carpet right. if somebody is properly ma yeah, <laughs> maintaining absolutely. it yeah. so yeah um definitely the people help bring value to the property as yeah. well but but more so um they bring reputation right and and you can't have a reputation if people don't believe in you yeah. or believe in what they're working for um most people today i've found especially since covid um you know, they they want to work for something they believe in yep, or, or people they they yep. admire. Yeah. And and they wanna a lot of people wanna give back. Yeah. So uh I think hospitality and, and tourism are um have always been in that realm and and I think there is a lot of pride um from from positions like housekeeping all the way up to um executive or consultants in the industry and and that's why there are excellent university programs right. mba programs yeah. that that help you know um bring intelligent thoughtful people to the industry right. um and and i do think that the industry in general is undervalued Often when I'm working on tourism strategy, a big piece of that is education right. um, and, and awareness for elected officials, for, um, you know, uh, residents, just understanding often that um, tourism is 
new money and it's um, external. It's not just within the community. You're, you're bringing new value in and you're bringing that learning from the people, the tourists that are coming to your community. Yeah. Uh, if you treat them as guests, then they will act like guests. Sounds like echoes of Isidore Sharp in some of those things you're saying there. Yeah. Uh, and again, for anybody who's listening who hasn't had experience with Four Seasons, Isidore is uh, relatively famous for starting a hotel business and sort of basing it on values and the, the golden, golden rule, rule and, and that it is beyond just being a business and making money. That's important. Don't get me wrong. We all know that. We need that. Uh, but it's also how you treat the people and, and how you build the corporate culture around uh, treating people well that, that can have a, a long-term impact. This has been an amazing conversation. I, uh, I have a, a few last sure. questions for you. We have a bit of a closing tradition on this podcast in that the guests are all asked uh, the same final three questions. I hope that eventually one day we can listen back to hundreds of episodes and, and get some themes. So I'm going to ask you these, these last three questions. Okay. In your career, what was the most significant adversity you have ever faced? Working in uh, the restaurant industry, um, I faced uh, a lot of um, disparity, actually, um, with people I worked with who had come from um, places like Sri Lanka and were engineers and were working on the line um, and were treated like crap. Uh, and uh, a lot of misogyny in the, in the restaurant industry. So uh, I personally faced some and heard and, and was the target of um, a lot of ver verbal abuse and, and I saw a lot of it. So um, I am happy to hear things are changing. Um, that was my experience. There's a lot of good experiences now, but I am I'm part of the reason I, I um, work with Tayo and help develop their diversity, equity, and inclusion working group um, was because of experiences like that for things I saw and, and things that I was a target of. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I'm I'm sorry for what you experienced, yeah. and and thank you for sharing that. And it certainly sounds like you've found a way to incorporate that experience into creating a better place for other people to work. And again, Tayo for reference, in case anybody doesn't know, is the Tourism Industry Association of Ontario. Thank you. So, second question then: How did you overcome that adversity? How did you get through that? Uh, I finally had to make the decision uh, to, to leave the industry, and that was my choice. Um, but I, not before becoming a sous chef. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and then I left, and then I, I, I went back to school. And, and that was my decision to... Um, to care for myself, to, yeah, um, to just remove myself from the situation and, yeah. um, and use my brain. Good for you. Good. And the last question then, 
what lesson did you learn from that adversity, overcoming that adversity that you've applied to the rest of your career? Well, I think that my love of learning and um, and we talked about resilience going through a lot of changes in my childhood um, and learning from other cultures, learning from other people. Um, all of that has shaped who I am and I, uh, I want to use what I've learned, I want to help uh, at this point other people to overcome adversity as well. Um, and, you know, sometimes it may be indirect. Um, doing a feasibility study for a new Nordic spa somewhere is uh, maybe not, you know, what, what you would think of as, as a way to direct that kind of experience but I think in my communication in my um, the way that I present myself in the way I present myself online um, I'm always thinking about the bigger picture and um, how I can contribute and I'm hoping that that comes through in, in any kind of report I come, come out with and um, the way I present myself. Yeah, and well, I can, I can assure you from an outsider perspective of your work, it, that certainly comes through loud and clear. And, and you. you have incorporated values into your career at this stage all the way through from the experiences that you had, the good ones, the not so good ones, um, and now that you're in such an amazing position of influence, you continue to give back. You continue to be involved in organizations and committees and conferences, and you continue to kind of share how important you know inclusion is and how important it is that we're really shaping an industry um, that is that is better for everybody involved. And I think that that's really fabulous work. So you should feel really proud. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. and thanks to you for doing this podcast and getting these experiences out there for people to hear about and learn from. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being a gracious host. Uh, I know it's not always easy to kind of walk through your entire life and your career, especially to talk about the things uh, you know, that, that weren't so great. Uh, I appreciate the vulnerability. I appreciate uh, the courage. Uh, and I appreciate the way that you uh, have conveyed all of this into some really positive messages. And I hope uh, if there's anybody still listening, uh, we always wish you luck and success uh, on your journey ahead, uh, wherever it takes you. So thank you again, Rebecca. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Reservation has been produced by Amanda Christine and is a Joe Baker & Co. production. Check us out at www.thejoebaker.com.